So one thing you might not know about me is that my family lives on a cul-de-sac. In fact, the entire 32 years that Mike and I have been married, we have always lived on a cul-de-sac somewhere. Whoever invented this street design was a genius. No vehicle passes through here. Instead, the street design makes it simple for those who do not belong to quickly circle around and get on out. Children are safe to play in our concrete sanctuary and our like-minded neighbors all gather together in the circle for picnics. We feel pretty safe from the dangers of the outside world here in our little bubble, our little secret place for our neighbors who belong. This concept of a private enclave, yeah, that's how some early Christians viewed their church. Only those who came from Judaism were welcome in the innermost circle, as opposed to those Gentiles, the outsiders. It's the us versus them that Chad preached about last week. And yet the gospel isn't safe or private or secret. It does not protect us from the world. No, it throws us into the world. It ushers us into a hospitality of the other, the not like us people. The gospel is doctrinal, changing what we believe. Simultaneously, it is personal, changing who we are. And even more than that, what God does in us, God intends to do through us for the whole wide world. When we began spending our summer in Ephesus, these sermons in Ephesians, Chad read aloud to us. And, and that's how people in the first century received these texts. They were read aloud in a church or more likely a home. And Chad read all of chapters one, two, and three. That's half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So today, we're gonna hear Paul wrap it up in chapter three, kind of closing out that first half of his letter. And it's all about the rich depths of the gospel, the good news. So as you hear God's holy word in Ephesians 3, one through 13, I'd like to ask you to just listen this first time, like Chad has asked you before, just listen to understand that the gospel isn't just a secret place meant for us. It's intended for everyone. Now, as pastors across the summer so far, you've heard Chad and Roland and Mark and now me expose you to a myriad of different Bible translations helping you to understand and process what the good news says. So a relatively new translation is called The Voice. It was published in 2012 by linguistic professors and theological scholars, some of whom Chad and I have had in seminary. This presents like the culture, the context of what the first century people were experiencing. It was things that those hearers of the word, they knew intuitively, but it's stuff that we don't. 
We don't know the original Greek or the original Hebrew. We don't know their customs, their behaviors. So this translation helps us out with that. So I'm gonna give you an example and you're gonna hear it when I read for you. So in the original Hebrew, we have the word Messiah. In the original Greek in the New Testament, we have the word Christ. Those two words, whether it's Hebrew or Greek, those two words mean anointed. God anointed Jesus Christ to be our savior. So you're gonna hear him referred to that way and it's appropriate for us to think of Jesus as God's anointed. So I'm gonna read the passage now and I ask you to listen for what that first church heard. Think about this, place yourself 2,000 years ago. You're meeting in a house. Uh, You're meeting with Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians alike. Put yourself in their sandals, if you will. And hear Paul refer to the unity and the power and the purpose of the gospel now. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. All this is exactly why I, Paul, am a prisoner of Jesus the anointed, his representative to the outside nations. You've heard, haven't you, how God appointed me to bring you his message of grace and how the mystery was made known to me in a revelation? I briefly wrote about it earlier. And when you read what I have written, you will be better able to understand the depth of my insight into the mystery of the anointed one, a mystery that has never before been shown to past generations. Only now are these secrets being revealed to God's chosen emissaries and prophets through the Holy Spirit. Specifically, the mystery is this. By trusting in the good news, the Gentile outsiders are becoming fully enfranchised members of the same body heirs alongside Israel, and beneficiaries of the promise that has been fulfilled through Jesus the anointed. I became a servant and a preacher of this gospel by the gift of God's grace as he exercised his amazing power over me. I cannot think of anyone more unworthy to this cause than I, the least of the least of the saints. But here I am, a grace-made man, privileged to be an echo of his voice and a preacher to all the nations of the riches of the anointed one, riches that no one could ever imagine. I am privileged to enlighten all of Adam's descendants to the mystery concealed from previous ages by God, the creator of all, through Jesus, the anointed. Here's his objective. Through the church, he intends now to make known his infinite and boundless wisdom to all rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. This has been his plan from the beginning, one that he now has accomplished through the anointed one, Jesus our Lord. His faithfulness to God has made it possible for us to have the courage we need and the ability to approach the Father confidently. So I ask you not to become discouraged because I am jailed for speaking out on your behalf. In fact, suffering 
is something that brings you glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week, Chad preached about the power of the gospel to unite us, to unite the Jews and the Gentiles, everyone. It's the kind of power that unites those unhealthy situations where we find us versus them. It's the power that the good news has over Satan, that lousy deceiver, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, the life-raising power of the Holy Spirit, death has been defeated. Our future has been secured. So let's get busy. Let's live the life here and now. This is the reason for Paul's writing. Hear this now from the new revised standard version. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Verses one through four. I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote before in brief, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. Paul writes autobiographically here. He says, I, Paul. (laughs) This is Paul's way of sharing his business card with you, his credentials with you. Prisoner of Christ, commissioned by God's grace, serving Gentiles across Asia Minor. It's as if I wrote my own business card, Reverend Sabrina Hergert, a sinner, called by God to seminary, now serving our Lord at First Pres, Kingwood. So I am called and I'm qualified by God to preach and to teach and to minister. So Paul is called and he's qualified by God to preach and to teach and to share the gospel. Paul says that these Gentiles surely knew what we know today from Acts chapter nine. Paul's all-consuming purpose in life had been to persecute the followers of the way, those Christians. And yet on the road to Damascus, the Christ appeared to him in a revelation of a mystery, challenged him to stop killing the disciples, stop killing the Christ and called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles, them. You see, Paul's ministry is widely known at this time. So he urges all of these people to acknowledge the authority that he has from the most high authority. Christ revealed the mystery So Paul's purpose in life now as a new creation is to share this inside story with everyone, not just the Jews. You know, in our modern American culture, we use our Western minds to process and to analyze. It's how we go about science and engineering and business, assessing the why 
how. But the first century hearers of this letter, they embraced the mystery. The Eastern mind did not have to know every detail in order to embrace God's ways. The Greek word for mystery is mysterion, mysterion. It's a secret doctrine or a mystery which God initiates. And the purpose of it here is to bless the outsiders and the insiders with salvation through Christ. God's gracious plan of providing salvation that we do not deserve. Remember, that's grace, right? When we receive something from God that we do not deserve. And here it is freely given. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, as I read to you from the New International Version, and that's what you find in your pews. Our pew Bibles are New International Versions. I'm going to read to you verses five and six. Paul shares the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This messianic promise formerly regarded as a Jewish privilege, excluding the Gentiles. Now this messianic promise embraces all people. God's children inherit threefold riches in the Greek. It's almost like they're Presbyterian. Three things that believers in the Messiah Jesus are. The first of these, heirs together with Israel. This means that we are all fully enfranchised members of the faith. There is no race, gender, socioeconomic status, no age, employment, rank, or inner circle that classifies believers. Joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ. The second thing that believers in the Messiah Jesus are is that we are members together of one body. And this means that we are all necessary in the faith, each one gifted differently, each one needed fully. If we, the church, are going to be the one body of Christ joint body, co-members. And then the third thing is this, we are sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And this means that we share in that messianic promise that reached all the way back to Abraham in the beginning in Genesis 12. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are all beneficiaries of the promise fulfilled through Jesus. Joint partakers, co-sharers. 
heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is the mystery. That through the gospel, all believers stand on the same ground before God, receiving the same offer, the same help, the same promises. This was radical news for first century believers to all be seen equally. What are we gonna do with this kind of news today? Well, let's look at this next segment. Hear it again from the voice. This is a section verses seven through 10. I became a servant and preacher of this gospel by the gift of God's grace as he exercised his amazing power over me. I cannot think of anyone more unworthy to the cause than I, the least of the least of the saints. But here I am, a grace made man, privileged to be an echo of his voice, a preacher to all the nations of the riches of the anointed one, riches that no one ever imagined. I am privileged to enlighten all of Adam's descendants to the mystery concealed from previous ages by God, the creator of all, through Jesus, the anointed. Here is his objective. Through the church, he intends to make known now his infinite and boundless wisdom to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. The grace made man, Paul, the least of the least of the saints, the one in other scripture who claims to be chief among sinners, he feels humbly privileged to be an echo of the voice of God to preach to every nation the riches of Christ, the riches that we cannot humanly fathom. God chose Paul to share with everyone that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus. Death has been defeated in Jesus in his bearing our sin and our shame on the cross. Holy Spirit power has raised Jesus from death to life eternal at God's right hand. And now we are seen by the magnificent God through that beautiful lens of Jesus. Do you know how radical this is? Do you know what this means today? It means that every male believing this message is a grace-made man. And every female believing this message is a grace-made woman. Having already been saved by God's work, nothing we can do on our own. Having been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Every one of us, grace-made people, have work to do for the Lord. We, the church, are to make the gospel known to everyone. 
every human on earth and more. What does the rest of verse 10 say? It says, here's his objective through the church. He intends now to make known his infinite and boundless wisdom to all rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. As God's creation, we are to proclaim his good news to all rulers, all authorities in heavenly realms. Now that doesn't just mean the good guys fighting on God's team in the spiritual warfare. Wait, there's more. Yes, I know, scripture tells us in 1 Peter that the angels long to peer into the gospel. But what about the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, the principalities that would stand against us, that would stand against Christ, against God? We are to proclaim the gospel to them. The next time that Satan parks out here on your shoulder, that lousy deceiver, he's whispering lies, deceit, and doubt in your ear. You proclaim Jesus is Lord. Flick him off your shoulder. Model what Christ did in the desert temptation. Say scripture to him. Proclaim the gospel. We are meant to proclaim the gospel to everyone. You know, on our cul-de-sac where we live, we're getting new neighbors. You see, um, Tom and Geraldine, who've lived next door to us for 24 years, they're moving to be closer to their adult children and their adult, their uh, grandchildren. And, and, you know, Mike and I get that. We totally understand that. But Tom and Geraldine are the family that you choose. <laughs> They've been like grandparents to Matthew and Benjamin and Elizabeth, invaluable, irreplaceable. And yet these new neighbors will come and they won't know anyone. They won't know how we do things. They won't have a shared history of living life together, of raising our children together, we all survived Enron together. We faced the ravages of Hurricane Ike together. And then there's this guy. You know, Google Maps has a car with a camera on top and they drove by our streets and that's my husband Mike standing out in front of our house. When anyone Googles my house, that's what they get. <laughs> this is what he does. He is always outside doing something. They don't know, these new people don't know that our whole neighborhood, not just our cul-de-sac, our whole neighborhood refers to him as the mayor because he works at it. He gets to know everybody in our neighborhood. These new neighbors will arrive as outsiders. You know how tough it is to break into an established group. How are they gonna know unless we share with them? How will they become part of the fellowship unless we include them? So it's our privilege to welcome them, to teach them, to fellowship with them, to add them to the group Facebook page. And we will do this, we will share this with 
them, as we do with everyone. We will echo the voice of God. We will embody the church to all we encounter. We will share with that one other someone that I'm always saying to you. So, let's wrap up this last part of today's passage. This time, I'm gonna read to you from the easy to read New Living Translation. Verses 11 through 13. Hear this now. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Paul reveals God's purpose from the very beginning. What he has now accomplished through our Savior, heaven and earth are brought together in reconciliation. In the tension of the already not yet, our ultimate restoration for eternity with God lies yet in the future. And the present spiritual warfare is still menacing. You know, for first century believers, that spiritual warfare came in the form of fate or determinism. And what Paul is telling them is that they have no reason to fear, to lose heart over these forces of fate and determinism in the Greco-Roman world. For us today, that might come in the form of horoscopes or belief in luck or karma. And so for us today, there's no reason to fear those things. Those deceptions have no grip on believers. Paul reminds us to enjoy boldness, confidence, courage in bringing everything to God in prayer. And we celebrate Christ's supernatural victory over death. And Christ assures us of the personal relationship we have with God the Father. There is no hostile power that can ever separate us from our Lord. So there is no reason to lose heart, to become discouraged, to doubt our faith. Instead, take courage, respond to Paul's message here by sharing the good news of the life in Jesus Christ. Listen, if your life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then share that life-changing power with others. Announce it, embody it, the good news. Because what God has done in you He's gonna do through you. He will empower you in ways that you can't even fathom today. The good news isn't just for us, just a secret for those of us in the know. It's an announcement for the whole wide world to hear. And it's our privilege and our honor to make the mystery of the gospel known to all who have ears to hear. Amen? Amen, let's pray. 
Great and mighty God, write your word upon our hearts. Remind us to be bold, to have courage, to be confident, that we can share this with one other someone, that we are loved by you and we can share that love with others, that we are forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ and somebody out there needs to hear that they are forgiven too. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray, amen.